When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. I'm Emily Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey and we're qualified London Blue Badge Tourist Guides. Each week we bring to you some of the best bits of London. We talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information, a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun. We can be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London podcast and on our website skydemily.com and alexlacey.com as well as our dedicated website ladieswholondon.com for more information about the podcast and other things like that. Yes. Oh, Alex. You made me laugh before we started recording, so that you is on you. You are in a very silly mood, aren't you? <laughs> That's on you, mate. I'm sensing the silliness. <laughs> How are you? I'm very well, my darling. Um, bitterly cold outside, which isn't great, but uh, yeah, I'm loving the fact that you've moved into the conservatory, so I've got a different backdrop to look at. It's the season. My conservatory is not fit for purpose at all. But So it's freezing cold in the winter and boiling hot in the summer. And there's about two weeks where you can use it. So I'm in one of those weeks and I've thought, I'm going to move into the conservatory to do it. So if, it, if things sound a bit different today, listeners, then that is why, because we haven't quite figured out if it sounds terrible or good yet but well listeners you should have been here about 10 minutes ago i i had to witness alex trying to uh demuff the room just uh just go with it just but no there it. was a there was a bed sheet over the camera lens i felt like yeah so i've, I was got, in a bed couple, with you. I've got a couple of friends who do uh, voice recordings and things like that and they've always said oh you know put a duvet over your head muffle the sound and so I thought I would do it with my the, the <laughs> very heavy and very lovely quilt that my mum made for me years ago oh. and what it ended up doing was bringing down my whole computer and tipping my bottle of water over my lap so um it was it not was a, a moment it was a moment I mean I think they probably do it when they're not actually on a zoom conversation yeah, maybe. Maybe they get set up beforehand. <laughs> you, were, you were still like, trying to create like a hole so I could see you. I was trying to create a little just, fort uh, and it didn't work. Uh, I felt like I was looking into something that I really shouldn't be. It was... Um... <laughs> like a cave yeah. of pleasures. Yeah. Um, oh, oh yeah. hello. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was a moment. And Emily nearly missed cave it because she was busy uh, you know, contemplating her own navel. But there we go. <laughs> My own navel? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Contemplating your navel is when you're sort of... Sitting and like thinking about things. Oh, right. I thought you meant just thinking about my belly button. Well, I mean, you do that too. <laughs> oh, true. True, true. Anyway, that's anyway. enough guff from us this week. Hello, listeners. We Hello, hope you're well. Listeners. Welcome to my conservatory. Um, I hope the sound quality is halfway decent. We'll find out. We'll find out. We'll see. Absolutely. So, what news this week, Em? One so- more week for chocolate. One more week that you have guys. Entered. You've got to enter. We've had so. I, I say this. We've had so many entries, which is fantastic. <laughs> we keep missing other eight emails because all the emails are chocolate, 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 chocolate. I don't know if we've mentioned, but there is chocolate to be won. <laughs> One kg chocolate lint bunny people. You can't even lift it, let alone eat it. <laughs> have you tried eating it yet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I couldn't move for days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, so one more week. Just go to our website, ladieswholondon.com and uh, pop your details in and you could win a kilo of lint chocolate. Kilo, kilo, kilo. And it's that, also that... got a bell. I don't think it would be mentioned that it comes with a, a, a necklace bell. So they, they sent us very kindly, Stephanie. Now, I should say that the reason that Lint came in and did this is because Stephanie listens to the podcast, is a big fan, and came in and went, do you want to do some stuff together? So like, it's, it's really lovely. But And she sent us, very sweetly sent us, one each, which Emily got very excited about. Oh, my God. Um, I lost myself for a good hour. <laughs> but the bell on the bunny, I was quite freaked out because it's not the usual one. It's like, ding-a-ling. It's, it's like a sort of cowbell. It's like, dong It is. It's, it's, like, it's huge. It's, it's really enormous. <laughs> it's freaking me out a little bit. Um, but mine is currently in the, uh, in, in the cupboard. I'm going to take it and let it be attacked by my nephews in a few weeks. Oh, well done you. I I could have done that, uh, but I didn't. No. <laughs> Nick was like, do we have any chocolate in the house? And I just looked over at the bunny. I was like, yeah, we do. Yep. <laughs> I'd just like to mention, this is not the prize. Is there... I haven't eaten the prize. I wouldn't put it past you though. Is there any of it left? No. No! I mean, sorry, yes, the bell. <laughs> <laughs> The bell's still going strong. I'm looking. I'm surprised at it now, that actually. didn't sort of get inhaled in just the, the kind of <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, it's gold. It. I'm pretty sure I'm that's chocolate my too. Constantly hearing this ringing every time I walk now. I don't know what it is. Well, anyway, so um, long story short, you can win some chocolate. You can win some chocolate. Any shout-outs this week before we go any further? Um, do actually. Um, so Susie B Piano, brilliant name on Instagram. She sent a link to a reel which was put on by BBC Bristol, and it's so funny. It's of um, Isambard Kingdom Brunel. It's the big. I did you see that. it? Yeah, she sent it to me as well. Amazing Huge sculpture in Bristol, and um, the inside of his nose was being cleaned by yeah, a big um, giving him a dust. Yeah, giving him a dust, and it was just uh, it was just tickling his inside of the nose. It was fabulous. So I want to say a big thank you to Susie B Piano um, for sending that to us. Um, and we have a little bit of news as well. We've been talking for a little while about walking tours and things, and the news is that we have planned in some walking tours that you can come <gasps> join, which are all linked around things to do with the podcast. Uh, well, not necessarily. Some We've got some other ones as well. Um, you know that I do my own walks anyway. So Emily and I have been beavering away, putting together a little programme, which we're going to be running. Um, so we're just figuring out the final few dates. But hopefully this week, when when it gets to the next week, we'll have the um, be able to tell you for definite that it's up and running. We will have uh, the tours. And there will be things like, um, we're going to be doing something in uh help me out emily i've forgotten where they all are now (laughs) (laughs) so we're going to be going to clerkenwell yeah um we're going to be going to bermondsey we're going to take you into the tate modern we're going to take you around the east end for a bit of street art um whopping and rotherhide yep harlots we're going to do spitalfields and immigration as well um Mm -hmm. so lots of things that kind of cover some of the things that we've done on the podcast and we'll incorporate them um and it'll either be me or emily running and we're hoping as well to run the London Underground walk that Fiona told us about as well. So uh, hold on to your hats for that. Um, and they'll be £15 each so you can go and book and they'll be running all the way through the summer and probably into the future from there as well. So you can come and do a walking tour with us. And we've had quite a few people asking about, uh, now when we had City Holloway on, we mentioned the possibility of going into Down Street Station. Um, we've looked into that. It is horrifyingly expensive. It's so, so expensive. It's so expensive. <laughs> um, so we there is a cheaper option. I say cheaper. It's not much cheaper, but it is a bit cheaper, which is uh, the Charing Cross branch, which I think, uh, or possibly the Old Witch branch, which I think Siddy did mention. Um, but even then, that comes out to about £120 per head. So if you really want to do it, drop us an email and let us know. We can fit a maximum of, I think, 20 on that tour. If you really want to do it, we'll do it. I suspect for most people, including myself, and it's me. quite a lot. Oh my God. It's I mean, quite a yeah. lot of money. Um, so the other option we thought about, now they do run public ones. So we're going to get in touch with them and see which ones, which dates have quite a few um, spots left on them. And then we'll let you know um, so that we can all just book onto a public one and have a sort of, you know, podcast pile on i guess if you like um so we're gonna check but we figured that the private ones were a, a bit too expensive possibly for our uh for our blood so um hold fire on that but we will come back to you with some fun stuff but the tours will be up there um within the next week so keep checking back on the website 
and come along and come and do some walking tours with us. We'd love to see you. We really would. And yeah, it's just so excited to be doing some joint tours as well. I mean, obviously, yeah. when you come on the tour, it's either going to be Alex or myself, but... Um, if the other still. one's free, they might pop up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're tossing your, your hair around. She, she's got... Now, something that... <laughs> she's got pigtails in today, which I c- couldn't find the word for and called them Tail hair pigs. pigs. Oh, hair, hair, hair pigs. Hair pigs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at your hair pigs. You're loving, you're loving your little teenager hair pigs aren't you i am i'm living my baby spice fantasy <laughs> she's picking them around all the place anyway Ooh. i feel like this this website this website this podcast hasn't gone anywhere so um let's put a bit of uh, inertia into it podcast pedestal podcast pedestal look at me not forgetting it yeah well done i know from last week do you week's remember episode, though the pro- choices probably not um so we talked about thomas bolton and frederick park who were two men who well either went out in public in women's clothes or were trans or drag we don't quite know what the situation was from their point of view uh, but which caused a big kind of legal court case which really was quite damaging to the lgbt community because it put everything back a bit and, and brought in other laws um and so really quite a scandalous court case and really awful and what they went through but um our podcast pedestal toppers were now mine was the witness who um who was called he- um eleanor or heather i think eleanor i think um who uh, saw them and she gave evidence and she saw them in the theater and just said look they were just kind of there in these fabulous dresses not causing any issues and they were being kind of just there and living their living their life and that was it really which i thought was quite nice but i really realized might have been a bit of a bad choice what was your choice em oh really bad choice eh <laughs> revealing something early are you <laughs> maybe not maybe i'm double bluffing um so my choice was the reaction after the trial by their friends the way you described how they just you know gave this huge ovation of excitement and yeah yeah it's that lovely that choice. that feeling of community mm. really i really enjoyed mm. that that kind of thing of yes they're one of us we're looking out for them and mm. yeah that circle of circle of friendship yeah really beautiful so <laughs> well gosh I which way is it going to go <laughs> <laughs> well it's gone with a quite resounding 65 percent to you resounding yeah. oh wow gosh standing ovation <laughs> oh wow yay i'm super well, cool for you to be honest um i was i was wanting to go for your pick oh if you remember you said you went first and i was you know i clicked my fingers in a in frustration um, because I was going to go for that one. So oh, don't be too, uh, too hard on yourself. <laughs> you dodged a bullet. <laughs> well done, Em. Well done. Thank you very much, everybody, for Yee. voting for me. I Gosh, I'm literally storming ahead. Can't yeah, believe woo. it. I'm really, I'm really happy for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah brilliant. Yeah, great. <laughs> so where are we off to this week? So this week, we are talking about a female director. Yes. Yes. So um, we are, I can't remember where it landed, actually. Where did it land? Oh, it landed in, um, oh, it was in West London, wasn't it? It was, wasn't it? Yeah. Fulham, that was it. Fulham. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So um, I've decided to talk about a woman who was really kind of Britain's first female documentary makers, or at least, you know, one that was, that was so well known and push forward in the public eye and I'm talking about a woman called Jill Craggy. Yes you mentioned her name last week and I've never heard of her Hmm. Um, so this is going to be completely new for me. Oh okay nice Um, well I'm just gonna dive straight in. Off we go. Um, She was born in 1911 in Fulham um, hence why we chose Fulham Um, (laughs) and she had a Russian mother her father was Scottish and worked as a clerk in a theatre box office. So I guess she was always kind of surrounded by the idea of watching movies. And of course, she would have been a young girl at a time when television hadn't been invented yet. So if you wanted to go and watch a film, you physically left your home and you went to the flicks, you went to the cinema. 
Um, it is said, however, that she had quite an unhappy childhood, spending oh. most of her time, yeah, going between different boarding schools. Um, it doesn't seem like there was a, a very strong family unit with her mother and father. And it did come out as well later on in life that she had been sexually abused. Oh, God. Yeah, That's... there was... Um, a... Keep it light, Emily. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you know, I think. No, I know. I'm joking. Because kind of, this woman, she uh, she put so much emphasis on empathy when it comes to when it came to her documentaries and how she felt about people. And going into her biography and her life, there was so much that happened to her as a young girl that she had to very quickly um, kind of grow up, I guess. Um, so yeah so very very hard life as a young girl she left school at the age of 18 and she worked as a journalist for a little while and this was for a teenage magazine apparently she was a a fantastic writer and really loved being in this kind of uh this environment where her writing was getting uh, read by other people Um, At the age of 19, she married a sculptor called Claude Begbie Clench, and they had one daughter together called Julie. Oh, hang on. Can we just do that name again? Yeah, absolutely. Claude Begbie Clench. down with this. Claude Begbie Clench. I mean, it's not quite our old... um, uh, Oh, don't even tell me, don't even tell me, don't even tell me. Shovel. Shovel. It's a cloudsly shovel, but it's not far away. It's not far away. Claude Begbie Clench. Clench. I love it. I love it. Lord Bigby Clench. CBC. Um, so they got married. They had a daughter. And she kind of started to dibble-dabble in acting in the late 1930s. She landed a role um, in this kind of melodrama, which was to do with the circus. It was called Makeup. And you'd see uh, this kind of black and white uh, film, which... Uh, really focused on these clowns and these performers putting on makeup in quite um quite a wonderful way like it all slowly going on and the camera kind of goes towards the lips Ooh. and the eyes and it's it's really beautiful actually and this was co-written between herself and also a man called Jeffrey Dell no relation oh. that I'm aware of oh are you sure I think we need to well, look into that I don't know I got quite excited because I was like I never find anyone that's Dell I, I usually owe Dell but not Dell. Oh, I don't know um, about that. There's a huge computer conglomerate. <laughs> so I knew you were going to say that, actually. Um, but, um, yeah, so I need to look into Jeffrey Je- Dell to see if I've actually got any connection with him. Um, <clears throat> and she actually ended up getting quite close to Mr. Dell. Oh, hello. Um, yeah, so they, well, he became her second husband, <gasps> second of three husbands, I might add. Go, Jill. Yeah, right. And he actually introduced her into the film industry, really, because he knew so many people, such as somebody called Alexander Corder, who was quite big at the time, and kind of opened quite a few doors to her. But of course, we're now going into the 1940s. So we're going into World War Two, and Mm -hmm. Jill works as an air raid warden. And it said that this is a time when she read a lot because she'd be waiting for this siren to signal, you know, kind of telling people that there's enemy aircrafts coming. And there was a lot of waiting time. So she spent the time reading. And something that she read uh, over and over again uh, was the suffragette movement by Sylvia Pankhurst. Oh, wow. Mm, She was massively uh, interested in the suffragette movement and um, the equality for women and things about pay rise and the vote. And she attended this massive meeting in Trafalgar Square, which was quite connected to her because it was a protest against the government's proposal to pay female victims of air raids less compensation than men. Oh. Mm, yeah, it was quite a big one. And Trafalgar Square is kind of like the stage of London for these kind of things, especially during this time in the 1950s. Yeah. If there were protests, it was going to be down there. Um, she also attended a gathering to lay flowers on the um, the statue or at the base of the statue of Emmeline Pankhurst. Oh, yeah. Mm, um, which 
was moved apparently i didn't realize this but it was it's currently in victoria tower gardens but initially it was um uh, a little bit kind of further around to the side of parliament yeah apparently it was in a different position and moved that trying to hide her (laughs) yeah right i think so but now she's quite exposed in victoria tower gardens just along the side of the river um, so this kind of pushed her into wanting to make a movie which was to do with the suffragette movement. And she imagined the idea. She said, the subject as conceived for the screen would be primarily one of the spectacle, one of spectacle mingled with politics, yet offering plenty of scope for emotion, romance, comedy, violence and suspense. Ooh. So she went on this kind of um, bit of a rampage to try and interview as many women who was involved in the movement as possible. And she actually wrote um, to Sylvia Pankhurst and she said, I'm writing a script covering a large part of the women's movement. I'm anxious that the film should be historically accurate. And this would naturally mean reenacting some of the great scenes in which you played the leading role. I have a very great admiration for your past achievements. And Sylvia did actually write back and she said, you indicated to me, I think, to represent the movement through the eyes of a girl today, looking back on it. There are advantages in that method, but it tends to make the events appear remote and to sacrifice the human quality of it all. Um, so basically, Sylvia says, I don't like your idea. <laughs> wow, Sylvia, <laughs> yeah. <shade. laughs> yeah, right. Um, and, uh, it, well, uh, Jill didn't end up creating this movie in the end. Um, unfortunately, there was problem with money. There was problems with... Because you had this, um, the suffragette movement. There were t- kind of two camps when it came to the movement. And there were ideas that were quite conflicting sometimes, even though yeah. the primary idea, prim, 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 primal, prim, the, the major idea, <laughs> Emily, come on, <laughs> primary, the primary, the primary, the primary idea. idea was to, of course, uh, give women the right to vote. But there were different ideas behind these two groups and it just got quite conflicting and quite um, overly political in the end that it was something that she had to kind of come away from. Right. But she had so much material that is still actually used today because she had so many uh, interviews with women and wrote them down and Mm. created little pamphlets and different things. um, So much of what she did to create this idea of a movie has been used for uh, documentaries after. That's fantastic. And that's the kind of thing that often people don't think to do at the time Mm. is to get... Uh, sort of eyewitness accounts especially from things that at the time feel quite either subversive or even just normal um i always remember you going around the cabinet war rooms and and uh, you've probably done this as well emily with the director and he he said you know the lines in here went to different places we don't know where because nobody thought to ask them where they went before the guys died so like it's silly things like that that just Mm -hmm. kind of like we should probably check on these things so i quite like that that she's gone and got out the this huge sort of bank of of witness statements if you like from all the people yeah. involved it's great yeah absolutely yeah huge bank like she created uh drafts for a book called daughters of descent which was never published um so so much of this has been used and actually to kind of fast forward a little bit there is this uh this project all about jill craggy going on at the moment and it kind of really highlights all the different things that she wanted to highlight herself but never got around to so the suffragette movement is is one of these oh interesting what's so what's this project that uh, that is all about her i'll come to it i'll come to it at the end um if you don't mind <laughs> Sure, I've been put back in my place, haven't I? <laughs> I just want to try and keep a timeline. I'm Alex, joking. Keep going. Whatever. <laughs> um, now, her. Uh, you asked me last week. You know, to could could you name some of her movies for people to watch? It's more her documentaries, and a lot of them are maybe ten minutes, twenty minutes, and they're so entertaining. There was one that she created in uh, 1944. It's called The London Terminus. This is beautiful. It's black and white, of course, and this is a time, again, when, you know, there might be a few televisions around, but not everybody, not every household has one. So, you know, you would go to the cinema and you wouldn't just watch films, you'd watch documentaries. Mm. And so this was out, London Terminus, and this is all about 
Waterloo Station and the different jobs that people have at Waterloo Station to keep the trains running. And it's a, a lot of her kind of documentaries are documented but there is there are actors there are actors playing a role right. that kind of uh, open up these subjects so for this for instance you have a porter who is getting ready in the mirror he's brushing his hair he's smoking at the same time he's still got his uniform <laughs> on and he takes a little white flower gives it a sniff and puts it in his pocket you think oh where's he going and then you suddenly cut to a station where it's really busy you see people in their finery and this young girl who's waiting uh, underneath the clock at water Lou um, <laughs> for this gentleman to approach her and then they go off to the theatre and then this film shows which is basically this documented story of Waterloo Station oh. and it's fabulous and it's like um, you just learn about what it was like in the middle of the 20th century at Waterloo Station so even then there were trains electric trains every two minutes Um, you had 700 trains coming in every single day packed with people you can see women working on the train some women that are oiling the um uh the hinges on the doors of the trains just before they leave you know to make sure that people can get in and out swiftly there are advertisements for bulbs and it's just so exciting seeing people laying tracks and doing their everyday jobs and and thinking back then it must have been so strange for somebody to come into the workplace and say oh do you mind if I film you Mm, yeah really unusual it's so normal now to have a camera in your face all the time you know whether it be a professional camera or a mobile phone so it must have been and you can kind of see that on some of their faces as well like oh this is exciting like they kind of break out of it for a bit because it's like oh wow you know we've got this camera crew in our workplace which is really cool um, now, I did mention that she had three marriages. Um, her third marriage was with a man whose name might be familiar to you, Michael Foote. Oh, yes. Yeah, so yeah. big kind of Labour Party leader. Absolutely. And actually, this connection with Michael Foote, they say, kind of eclipses her role and what she's doing because she's married to somebody that is so well known and Mm. so present in the media it almost kind of squashes um and puts in the shadows what she's doing which is such a shame and she was still with Dell, Mr. Dell, um, (laughs) when she met Michael Foote and apparently she goes on this kind of secret holiday with Michael Foote and these journalists spot them and they must have been doing something to then make the journalists write all about it and when they came back Jill suddenly found all of these um, kind of press reporters at her door but Michael Foote being so kind of you know up there in the media he basically rescued her by threatening to publish a kind of supplement which was on the private lives of press workers so basically oh. saying, look, if you're not careful, I've got so much information on you guys that I could easily create something and knock you down. So do you yeah. really want that on your hands? Um, so it kind of saved in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they were married quietly um, in the late 1940s. And apparently he was just smitten with her. He wrote once half Scottish and half Russian, not a tincture of english reserve in her makeup she had the coloring of an english rose but everything else was a romantic mysterious addition oh she sounds fabulous <laughs> doesn't she <laughs> and it's just beautiful as well really really beautiful lady um they had a car crash oh they had quite a serious car crash actually and her daughter's son who was two years old at the time, was in the car with them. He was fine, um, but her left hand was crushed under uh, this kind of wheel of this lorry that kind of came towards the car. Yeah, 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 really, really bad. And um, after repeated operations, it it never completely restored to normal. Um, And actually, when it comes to her marriage with Michael Foote, there's quite a big change in how much time she puts into her movies and into her documentaries. Documentaries? Documentaries? <laughs> Docu- documentaries. God, honestly. <laughs> I love that. 
start calling them documentaries. Documentaries. From now on. <laughs> um, but she's still working on uh, things to do with important so what, issues. So she, she stepped back from her documentaries because she's married <laughs> to him or because of the, the injuries from the car crash? More so because she's married to him. Right. So she helps him with his labour campaign and okay. does whatever she can to kind of help him on his journey, um, which obviously, well, if you look at them both, you know, she probably sees that his journey is far more important at the time. But actually the, the issues that she was writing about and wanting people to see, such as, um, you know, gender equality, child refugees, conditions for minors mm. were incredibly important and one um uh, documentary <laughs> documentary <laughs> got me all <laughs> twisted now um she wrote was called out of chaos and this was to do with um children who was displaced um displaced by war and she is one of the first not just women but people to write about the effects of war and how people felt about war afterwards yeah and i guess from a different perspective rather than because i suppose the the impact of war being on the front line has been written about a lot so i guess this would be from a woman's perspective for sort of yeah, person not left just behind. A, yeah, not just a woman's perspective, but on. So, for instance, there was um, uh, a piece called "The Way We Live." Um, she created it in 1946, and this was about rebuilding Plymouth after the Blitz. And it's really beautiful. It talks about what Plymouth was like before the war, and you see these aerial images and how much it's changed. And so, okay. it, it talks about how lots of people were wanting to. Uh, bulldoze bulldoze the area and move people out of Plymouth um, and just change things for the worse and so her movie which emphasises how important Plymouth is and how important it is to create gardens for children to create swimming pools to create good housing for people this uh, movie that was created really highlighted it to the point that lots of people wanted to save Plymouth and There are, uh, it's really beautifully done. She touches upon the importance and connection to America. So Plymouth being the place in the 17th century where the Mayflower ship left to go to America, taking the pilgrims, and also it being the first town to send a woman to Parliament. And that was Lady Astor, who came from Virginia. So... It's it kind of with her work, she tends to bring in quite a few historical references in as well, which is quite lovely. That's really interesting, and and mm. you know, nice to put it into context. And it shows the power of filmmaking, doesn't it? Because definitely, yeah, if you want to sort of save, well, Plymouth or wherever, wherever you want to save, really, mm. then um, what a lovely way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of my favourite ones, <clears throat> and I watched this a couple of times now it's not a a long one and I watched this with Nick and Nick was uh, Nick my partner he was on his laptop and he was like oh god what are you watching (laughs) and two minutes later his face did not leave the screen oh really yeah he was so into it it was brilliant every single take and movement of the camera was just fantastic so it's called To Be A Woman created in 1951 and it starts off it's kind of like um, red, like the narrator is a bit like a news reporter. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how uh, the society of women have changed or not changed for 100 years. So from 1850 to 1950. Okay. And it was created by her own production company, which was called Outlook Films. And it's just a fascinating document of feminism in the 50s. Okay. Which is it's... not an era renowned for its feminism, is it? Let's face it. No, and it talks oh. about how. Um, sorry, sorry. Go oh, I was going to say, but from eighteen fifty, yeah, that would have been quite quite a different, uh, you know, a different perspective. But from our point of view, when we think of the fifties, we think of it as not being wildly kind of feminist by our perspectives now. So that's quite must be quite interesting. No, especially not in the nineteen forties during war, because they say that feminism kind of disappeared during World War Two because women were finally allowed to do the jobs yeah. that they've been wanting to do for such a long time. Like they yeah. had to. Men went to the front line and things still needed to be made mm. and created and moved. Absolutely. 
So, but then afterwards, when you hit after World War II, yeah. it goes back again and even worse. Exactly. Women have to go back into the kitchen and all that kind of exactly, stuff. Exactly, exactly. So, um, and this, this film was quite interesting. It had financial support from the Equal Pay Campaign Committee. And this was a committee that was formed in 1944 to secure equal pay for women. Mm. And this piece is all about that. It's trying to tell people, look at these women working. Look how hard they're working. These women could be single women, but they could be married women. They could have children. They could have a home. And it shows kind of teachers like a female teacher and it will say how much she's being paid and then it will show a man in exactly the same role how much he's being paid and visually to show this in the 1950s you know it must have been so eye-opening to people because you wake up you have breakfast you go to work and you it's not like today you look in your phone and you can see what people are doing around the world you know you're in your own bubble so to see see it put in this way it must have suddenly got so many people really you know wanting to kind of stand up for this movement um interesting mm, so it really and, and where shows... can we see that where can where can we watch that oh you can find what it on you? youtube just on quite YouTube. easily yeah and it's called it's called me. to be a woman be a woman to be a woman and it's beautifully done and it's kind of in two parts so the first part kind of is all about women in industry it shows them um you know doing different things in terms of art working in factories um it shows them creating and building certain things and then the second half is the emphasis on equal pay and it kind of asks people are we fully able to kind of develop our personalities to the full are women being allowed to play the roles that they should and can play in the community. Mm. Um, it's, yeah, it's Sounds really brilliant. good. And it touches upon people like Millicent Fawcett, who fought for equal pay, who was a big suffragette. Um, yeah, and they must Fantastic. have been confident in this because they actually asked it to be crowdfunded. So right. it was one of the first films... I mean, there were other films as well, but uh, successful films to ask the public to pay for it. So, for instance, um, they believe that there would be at least 5,000 people that would be so uh, for the equal pay idea that each person could give one pound or 20,000 people might be willing to give five shillings each and that's what happened so which you can understand because i I can imagine there being a huge all these women who had been able to do the jobs they wanted to do for five or six years during the war Mm. and you can imagine that there's a big outpouring of really is is this this is what we have to go back to now Mm -hmm. i can totally imagine that being yeah a groundswell yeah absolutely um, so as I say, she produced that in the early 50s. And this is kind of like the last major one, I would say, that she created. She did other things, um, but not as big. So for instance, she um, created something called uh, Who Are the Vandals, which was all about house in estates. Um, something called, um, and I haven't seen this one, I wasn't able to find this one, unfortunately, but it's called keep your hair on and it's all about long hair on men oh i'm a big fan i'm very pro long hair on men (laughs) yeah me too um and her and also her husband they actually um created together a piece which was to do with the atrocities being committed in former yugoslavia okay Um, and that was uh in the 90s actually that was in the kind of mid 90s Yeah, yeah 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 um but there were uh, kind of a few issues in the marriage between herself and Michael Foote. It is, it is said, and in the 70s, it kind of came out that he was having a, an affair with a woman who was 35 years his junior. Uh, but they did stay together. They did stay together. However, it was put in the media. It put a strain on their marriage. However, it seemed like they were a bit of a, a, bit of a force together. Mm. You know, they really kind of stood by each other. Yeah. Uh, now she sadly died in 1999 at the age of 88 from heart failure. Okay. 
and she is buried in Hampstead. Ah, okay. Whereabouts in Hampstead, do you know? I don't, actually. I'm not too sure. Hmm, interesting. Hmm, I'll have a little look. Yeah. And there's... I really want to get this. I haven't got it yet. And I've only just recently been kind of going into her life story. But there's a... a, a the life of Jill Craggy to be a woman by Carl Rollison, who and apparently it's it's, it's fantastic. Oh right. Yeah, a book, so, you mean? Yeah, a book. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you and I was Yeah, you mentioned projects. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um it's the Jill Craggy Project and it's seen the release of a feature documentary. It's directed by a woman called Lizzie Tyne, I think you pronounce her name, or Thine, and narrated by a woman called Hayley Atwell. And ah, it's called you know Hayley Atwell yes um and it's called independent miss craggy and it's basically on this festival circuit and it was recently uh connected to the flair festival which was on at the bfi oh yeah yeah um and so what that as in it, it's it's being shown at the moment in different places not yeah at the moment yes it was yeah, yeah. at the bfi not there at the moment but yes yeah. it's been it's been circulating oh wow and i have to say one woman who put me in the direction of Jill Craggy is a woman called Emily Gunn who uh, has created something called It's Not That Boring and you and I were very lucky enough to have a chat with her weren't we? Mm, we were, we had a chat with her yesterday about the project It's Not That Boring and it couldn't be a better name because it's really fascinating it's, <laughs> it really it's all about female directors and women in film mm, yeah so um well. So take a listen. We're going to put the little interview in just here uh, and we'll come back to you after we've spoken to Emily. We are very lucky today because we are with somebody who is in the know when it comes to female directors and what is happening in the film industry with women. We are joined here by the wonderful Emily Gunn, who is founder and editor of It's Not That Boring. Hello, Emily. Hi, Emily. Hello. Hello, ladies. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> no worries. I love the show. Thank you for having me. Thank oh, you. Oh, thank me. you. Thank you. So um, the title, you know, it's not that boring. It suddenly uh, it speaks to you because you go, well, that's a bit strange. What is it? What's it all about? Yeah. So I created uh, It's Not That Boring about three years ago now. Um, so it's basically a platform for uh, in London, focusing on female directors, producers, cinematographers, um, and it's a platform to kind of promote more females uh, within the within the industry, within the film industry. Um, and I kind of created that from looking at the kind of gender imbalance um, and the gender equality kind of behind uh, the, the film, yeah, film industry, uh, and the in the history behind that as well. Um, Amazing. So, Wow. And how do you even begin to to find out who's doing what out there? Mm. How do you, because I know on your Instagram, for instance, you have kind of female director of the month. Mm, how yeah. do you find these women? Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many out there. There are so many females out there um, who, who are filming and who are documentarians and um, who are cinematographers, who are producers and um, and you know i wanted to highlight that there are a lot out there and um, all over the world really uh, but at the moment we are focusing kind of predominantly in london and um, but a lot of that is some come to us and um, you know to to say we've got this film that's that's coming out a short film uh, would you be able to promote it for us on the site but a lot of it is also kind of researching what's going on in the world and seeing what's being made out there and um, but yeah you're right the female director of the month at the moment is uh, a lady called Stella McGee. Uh, she's a Canadian uh, film director uh, who was kind of the first black female director to be financed by the major studios. Um, wow. So she's doing yeah, amazing stuff uh, herself. She's just been uh, brought on uh, with Disney animation team actually for a series called Tiana uh, that comes out probably in 2023. So, um, oh, wow. so yeah, yeah. So. A, a good mix of uh, females who are kind of trying to support as well. So. And of course, we have just seen only the third ever female director win an Oscar. Yes, yes, I Jane know. Campion, Jane Campion. Campion. Dog. Yeah, yeah. Which is a big deal so because, like you said, we, we were chatting before we recorded this that the Oscars has been going well for nearly a hundred years. 
Mm, and in all that yeah. time, there's been three female directors who have won. And some years, there no women are nominated at all. Yeah, you're so right. I mean, it's, as I was saying before, the Academy Awards started in 1929. And for 47 years, only people nominated were men. So, you know, there was definitely that gap between it. Um, I mean, yeah, you've got Jane Campion and you've got Chloe uh, uh, Chloe as well for Nomadland, obviously. Um Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Women. So there are definitely um, more females being highlighted within the awards, but still nearly 18% uh, dip in the number of female-directed movies um, in 2021. So it's yes. still it's still not really, you know, it, it's great that the Academy Awards are, are highlighting it, but um, if you look at kind of percentages still, there's still that huge gap. Um, only 14 of the top 100 movies uh, in 2019 were directed by women um, and only four were directed by women of colour. So that's still, you know, huge, huge gap. And um, that's why I wanted to create this platform to, 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 to support more and, and, you know, not just for females, but for males as well to support more and, and, uh, and be part of that as well and, and highlight more females behind the camera. So. Yeah, God, fantastic. And as you said, you started three years ago. Do, can you, within that short space of time, can you see that there has been a change? Yeah, I think um, it's like anything. I think when a topic becomes really within the media, um, it gets pushed quite a lot. I think um, when Nomadland was was kind of in the media and, and lockdown, there was kind of that look at females behind the camera much more and there was that target and everyone was kind of looking at it a little bit um, and it was great to have them uh, female directors right in the limelight and um, but you know behind closed doors there's there's still not a huge support in females starting out and also I think the main issue is females tend to get or work on a on a film and then they don't necessarily get to work on another and right, so yeah. that's that's where that kind of gap happens and they might get one film made or produced or helped with and then they don't necessarily get another for many many years and they don't get that kind of consistency that males sometimes do so um it's you know having that support uh constant but yeah i do i do think there is there's definitely more passion i'd say in london um mm. there's definitely more women cinematographers i've interviewed quite a lot on the website and um, i interviewed elizabeth lowe who's a documentarian and um, she did a film called Stray, uh, Beatrice Delgado Mina, who's a cinematographer, uh, who's doing a lot of commercials in London, Claire Oakley. So there's definitely more women who are passionate about filming. And I think mm. if they can see other women doing it um, and how they got there, it kind of pushes them to think, oh, actually, I could, I could do this. And yeah, no, it's about part. representation, isn't it? Which is always yeah. important. And, and we see that across the board in, in so many different kind of categories of people from women to people of color to yeah children you know all sorts of things if, if representation is there then great things can happen yeah definitely definitely and then um, that's one of my aims of making it as well is just to see that across the board so um yeah Mm. It reminds me a bit of um, obviously kind of different because it's the director and film world. But do you know Gorilla Girls? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they're like massive pioneers to kind of show mm. up galleries that aren't representing women in art. Yeah. Um, do you find that you because do you go to quite a few film festivals and watch these films, meet these yeah. directors? Yeah, definitely. And like, I do find. I mean, it's really interesting. When I was younger, I was so interested in films, and and my mum, my mum's water broke when she was in the cinema. So I feel like I was. Such a <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I was literally <laughs> born into so, film. <laughs> yeah, I need to see this movie. Um, but yeah, no. So I feel. But when I was growing up, I knew a lot of. I loved movies, but I could tell. I think you you can. There was this generic thing of oh, these are all directed by men when I was growing up, and I think now I'm very interested in more movies that are directed by females, I can tell that the topics are much different um, mm. in, in what I'm kind of experiencing and, and and seeing. But I'm going to a lot of, like you said, yeah, film festivals, um, which is great. And, and yeah, I mean, there's definitely more um, more out there to kind of see and experience. I went to the Humans Rights Film Festival uh, at the Barbican uh, two weeks ago, I think now. Um, and the movie was all about um, uh, uh, surfing in Bangladesh and it was mm. a, a a woman who had documented that 
series, which was so incredible and and so emotional and, and such a great movie to watch as well. But there's there is lots of film festivals out there now at the moment for for female directed movies, which is great. And um, the BFI are great at supporting that uh, as well. So yeah, there's definitely um, definitely more out there, which I think is also a great change. So mm, absolutely, they have. Was it Flare Week? The BFI. BFI Flare Week, yeah. So they do a great, um, great fifth festival uh, focusing predominantly on LGBTQ mm. movies. Um, really popular film festival. Um, some amazing, yeah, some amazing directors, male, female, um, non-binary. Some uh, a lot of people that are involved with that as well, um, which is great to go along to and see. So there's definitely a lot of film festivals that are focusing and helping equality and, and change. So that's great. Fantastic. And this is probably a really tough question for you, but (laughs) if you had to pick one female film director who is is kind of, for you, a real sort of figurehead of the industry, either, you know, around now or or no longer around, like who who would be the person that you think had sort of broken down barriers and paved the way? Who, Who would be your kind of, I guess, unsung hero? Yeah, it's a really hard question, as you said, Alex. <laughs> um, no, I don't think. Uh, no, I would say um, Greta Gerwig is one of my yeah. favourites. In terms of, I just feel like she, she for me, changed how I saw movies um, and looked at females on, on screen more specifically, I guess, with Lady Bird and Little Women. I, I just really... I think more with Lady Bird, I think when I watched that movie, I just felt a, a shift in how I saw films um, and how I saw her represent people on screen. She was, for me, um, maybe a pioneer in my, in my mind of how I wanted to change things. She's, she's, yeah. It was a very human film, wasn't it, Lady Bird? It was, yeah. I just felt like it was so honest and I could just yeah. be like, yeah, that is how things are. And <laughs> it's not just sugar-coated all the time. And yeah. it was just so fun. I loved the relationship she had with her mother and it was just so funny and, and, and witty. And yeah, it's def- I think there is definitely seeing more, more of that in, in more mainstream films, which is so great. Fantastic. And if people um, follow, it's not that boring. So mm. they go to because you've got a website, haven't you? Yes, yes. The website is it's not that boring dot com, um, and yeah, we basically every week uh, put up three movies directed by females to watch uh, online. So we have a variety on there. We also interview females in the industry, um, and we highlight yeah female director of the month. So yeah there's loads to see on there and it's you can subscribe for free and just get notification email and um, it's usually every two weeks or every month just of what's going on so to keep in the know nice you've also got some talks coming up it looked like as well yes yeah hoping to do our first kind of events uh, in the next couple of months and that'll be um, we'll be inviting uh, we'll have a networking event and also um, just an event where we'll, we'll invite a female director along and ask some questions face to face instead of doing yeah, instead of doing online stuff, it should be some face-to-face stuff, which is scary, but exciting. <laughs> well, good yeah. luck. It sounds exciting. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I was going to say, you. like, yeah, it must be so good to go to these events. Yeah, just, well, you have to come along. I was going to say. You will be I'm a big movie fan. I love film. No, I'd definitely love to have you both there. That'd be lovely. Oh, brilliant. Oh, Emily, thank you so much. So people can find you on it's not that boring.com. And yeah. what about your socials? Where are you? Yeah, Instagram is it's not that boring uh, on Instagram as well. So check that out as well and give us a follow. That'd be awesome. Um, and you can see stuff we've been getting up to on there as well. Fantastic. Great. Thank you so much for coming and chatting oh, to us. No worries. Thank you. Thank you, Emily. Mm-hmm. Have a good day. So there we go. That, that was lovely, Emily Gunn. I'm so pleased that she had a little chat to us because it sounds like such a fantastic project and so many good things that she's doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I've had a I've had a good sort of deep dive on the website. It's really it's really good. I really like mm. it. Mm. And I'm excited about these talks and, that are coming up because um, I'm a big fan of film. Really, yeah. Love, hopefully, really we'll get a little invite, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows? We may. Who knows? I, yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, so. so yeah, there we go. That's Jill Craggy. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I mean, what an interesting lady. I didn't know anything about her, so that was a real revelation. I'm definitely going to go and um, seek out uh, some of the, the the 
documentaries that you told us about the the really mm. the seminal one uh, to be a woman it, how mm. long is that is it kind of it's like 20 minutes yeah it's you mentioned it a, a bit shorter yeah. and yeah okay so I, yeah i'll definitely go and have a little look at that and uh it's interesting that it caught nick's attention as well it did yeah because he was like oh god what's this black and white thing you're watching and you know he was just on his laptop and i looked over at him and he was just hooked <laughs> it was brilliant it was oh, really really good yeah podcast pedestal we need to to figure out our podcast pedestals for this week and yes. it was your week so you get to pick first what are you picking <gasps> gosh um It's weird, isn't it? When it's your week to do it, as in mine or yours, I always find it really hard to pick my own <laughs> my own podcast pedestals. Oh my gosh, it really, really is. I mean, the obvious one is to be a woman. Uh, oh gosh. Oh my yeah, gosh, do you, know what, do you know what you're going to go for? Uh, I've got it nailed down to two. So... Mm. Actually, do you know what? I think I'm going to go for The Way We Live, which was her 1946 film. And she created it and it helped Plymouth. And it has made Mm. Plymouth look the way that it does today. Um, it if you live in Plymouth, of... you might think it's a positive or a negative. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, I think in terms of her being so instrumental, you know, to create something at a time that not everybody is going to watch on Netflix, but you have to physically go and see yourselves. Mm. And for that to have such an impact that people decide, okay, all right, we're not going to do the things that we said that we're going to do in Plymouth. We're going to start to rebuild in a positive way. Interesting. Yeah, so I think I'm going to go for the way we live. Okay. Now, I, I have two options. So I was either going to go for the interviewing of all of the suffragettes Ooh, and that bank, of, that bank of, of kind of knowledge and, and eyewitness statements. But actually, I think I'm going to go for that image that you painted of the porter with the white flower. Oh, okay. Going, going to pick up his his lady love underneath the clock because we've all met somebody we have a thing with under the clock at Waterloo Station, haven't we? Well, oh, I have. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I like the idea of him sort of putting his little his little white flower in his pocket um, and then going off to meet her and then going to watch a film about the station. I love that little that little vignette there. So I'm going to go for that um, that little bit of, of the the start of what the was start the name of, of that film? London Terminus. London Terminus. Yeah, start with that. Oh, lovely. Okay, that's a great one. Yeah, nice. So those are your options, gang. That's it. Those, those are, are the ones options. that you've got for this week. The Wheel of Destiny. Before we that... do the wheel, have you got anything else you need to tell people about? Um, I don't think so. But I'd just like to say that I did put on a, a reel up on Instagram, and mm. so many people have messaged to say. Oh my God, the wheel is real. The wheel is real. The real wheel. <laughs> yes, people. The Did you wheel not believe us, everybody? Real. Did you not believe us? How could you not believe us? The wheel not? is there. <laughs> Get ready because I'm going to be spinning the hell out of that wheel on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's my week next week, isn't it? Oh, yes. Now, I think I feel like I've done a lot of people lately. So I fancy a place or a thing, I think. Um. Yeah, go on then, give it a smash Okay, again, I've changed a few things on here Off we go It's landed in Smithfield Oh, Smithfield Oh, there's so much good stuff in Smithfield So much good stuff Um. Okay, so I wanted a person uh, Not a person, I wanted a, a thing or a place so, how's about we could do some Bart's the Great? We could do some Bart's Hospital as well, couldn't mm, we? Yeah. Um. Oh, oh, do you know what? I think I'm going to go for a Goth Guide favorite. Like, I think I think this is we're going to be we're, we're leaning into you here. Oh. I'm going to go body snatching. Oh. What do you think about that? I am grabbing it with both hands. Hauling it out the ground. Grabbing the toe <laughs> with my mouth. 
<laughs> oh, Emily, <laughs> what's wrong with you? Oh, You're dear. so gross. Um, anyway, we're not going to do body snatching, no. <laughs> oh, please. Emily's ruined that for everyone. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do, let's do body snatching because there's quite a lot of really interesting stuff that goes along with it. I do mention it on my Smithfield and Clark and one, my blood and guts walk. Um, mm. And we talk about body snatching, but there is quite a lot that goes into it. That you, it's not as simple as just hauling a body out the ground and selling it on. There's quite a lot of really kind of cool and creepy stuff that goes along with it and a few stories of some people who got uh, captured from having been slightly naughty uh, my hair pigs just jumped up in excitement <laughs> I'm <laughs> pigs. I'm all over it so I think um, I yeah I think body snatching if, if you're if you're down for it definitely Amazing. definitely 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 great Brilliant. That'll be next week then. Cool. Well, thank you everybody for joining us on another episode. We'll see you next week where we'll be drawing the the winner of our chocolate competition. (gasps) 1kg, 1kg. Can't have another one, Emily. (laughs) You've already already got through a kilo of chocolate. You can't have another. I know, I know. You can't come and have mine either. Um, But we'll see you next week for that and for a bit of body snatching. I mean, that goes together well, doesn't it? It does. Absolutely, yes. A match made in heaven. I'm not at all going to put you off your dinner. Um, But thank you all so much for coming along. We really appreciate it. If you haven't done it, or even if you have, please go and give us a review. We would love to to get some more reviews and get out there to even more listeners. Um, But we will speak to you soon. Have a great week, week. everyone. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.